This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Charles Woodson. And you're listening to the eye test for two. This is a very special Memorial Day edition of the iTest for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ian Glendon. There you go. I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and Ian, as you should know by now, is our Hall of Fame producer. But what I'm guessing you don't know is where Ira Kaufman is. Well, that's why this podcast is so unique. It's the first one he's missed ever. So, Ian, where is he? You know, I, I think he's uh, enjoying the beach down in Daytona still, maybe having a couple, uh, you know, a couple brews and, um, you know, enjoying the sun because it is quite warm here right now and, and not a cloud in the sky. So did you get him the weekend off for scoring that Jason Light interview? <laughs> I told I told him to take it easy, put his feet up and uh, relax. He, he, he put in a lot of work to get that. So he deserved it. He deserved it. Okay. Just don't tell him I said that, though. Yeah, I will. Go to I his promise. head. Uh, quick question for you, because you live in the Tampa Bay area. You live in St. Petersburg. But when you live in Tampa, why do you go to Daytona Beach for a holiday? I mean, why not someplace that's totally different? Like maybe drive to Savannah, play the back nine at Punta Vida, or, or maybe maybe join Aaron Rodgers in Hawaii. Uh, you know, it, there, there's a lot of beautiful places uh, in this state, um, certainly on the coast, which is nice. Um, I don't usually venture out of my bubble so much, so I don't know how eager I would want to go to anywhere that wasn't on the water in florida in the middle of florida i'm good i don't need to see flat land and you know palm trees i'm good with that right. so you know maybe going a little south it changes things up a little bit you know go go east you get the atlantic ocean as opposed to the gulf of mexico you know you mix it up a little bit okay well we're going to mix it up today in this program first of all uh, because it's memorial day weekend on a serious note uh that is a weekend when we honor the military who died while serving this country uh, we all know about the Cardinals, Pat Tillman, who perished in Afghanistan. But uh, I don't know that you know that there are others and several others who've perished who from the NFL uh, in serving this country. And Ian, I'll put the question right to you. Do you have any idea how many NFL coaches, players, or staff perished in recent wars? I'm talking about World War II, Vietnam, Korea. I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Okay. A, seven. B, 15, C, 25, or D, 47? 47 seems like quite a large number. And to, I, I honestly, I could not tell you one of them off the top of my head. So I'm going to say 47 might feel like a lot. So 25? 
Wow, you are correct, sir. <laughs> you know what? Ira Kaufman, watch out. <laughs> Your seat is not warm any longer. Holy logic, smokes. logic. Had to had had to had to think about it logically because I had no that clue what correct. the answer was. Yeah, twenty five, including twenty three <laughs> in World War Two. Mm-hmm. One of them was Giants offensive tackle Al Blosis, uh, who was an all decade performer. Interesting story about him. He was six feet six. They they wouldn't draft him. Didn't qualify for the military in nineteen forty three. He went to him and said, "I want." to go i want to go in so we did and unfortunately in a reconnaissance um, effort in 1945 in france he was killed while looking for a couple of his um colleagues or uh, compatriots Uh, in vietnam there were two Uh, one was former buffalo bills 1968 rookie of the year offensive guard bob kalsu he was killed in 1970 so we honor them and all members of the military this weekend um, now, speaking of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, because I didn't mention uh, those were Pro Football Hall of Fame stats, but speaking of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it's going to open all its exhibits this weekend, this Friday. For the first time since the pandemic surged in the country last March, um, the hall was closed from March until June 10th last year, with only the museum open. But beginning Friday, all its areas and exhibits are open to visitors. And that's good news. I mean, that's good news for everyone. Um, and I'll tell you what else is good news in your neck of the woods, Ian, because it's in your state. Jacksonville fans, guess what? You get to buy Tim Tebow jerseys. Number 85 Tim Tebow jerseys are on sale. Ian, you like it? You gonna buy one? Uh, no, no, I had a, I had an opportunity to buy a, a Patriots Tebow jersey, if you recall, uh, that little <laughs> brief stint recall. that he had uh, up there in New England, um, overshadowed by an unfortunate... Um, <laughs> tight end situation at the same time but right. uh no i look um <clears throat> I, i'm not so on on top of jacksonville for making this move like a lot of people did i i understand the connection um but he's gonna sell jerseys i i think he's already sold uh, uh, uh there's been a number of jerseys sold of his already um and it just speaks to the fan base up here and and the florida fans and you know this ever this long pursuit of him going to Jacksonville, which seems like it's been going on since he got drafted. When, when is he going to Jacksonville? Well, now Urban Meyer's there and, uh, I, you know, look, I'm not going to buy one, but I guarantee you I'm going to see some Tim Tebow jerseys out here. Oh, sure. And I, I'll be honest with you. I have no problem with them signing him. You know, he wants to try to pursue mm-hmm. his dream. Let him do it. I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to make the roster. I think he probably will make the roster just because he's Tim Tebow, but there's no guarantee. And so why not let him try out? I mean, they've got what, 90 others trying out? He's one too, of those 90, except too bad. Got Tebow across the back. Too bad he didn't do this years ago and switch positions. Yeah. He'd probably correct. still be in the league, you know? And, uh, you know, that that's his choice. No one's, you know, that's obviously completely on him, but, you know, there were opportunities for him to, to reevaluate playing the quarterback position, and he just wouldn't do it. And that's why he is where he's at now, so. Yeah. Uh, hang on, Ian. My wife's asking me what size I want in that Tim Tebow jersey. An extra large. Thanks. Extra um, large. Okay. Not such good news for fans north and west of Jacksonville. And that's anyone who follows the Atlanta Falcons. That's because wide receiver Julio Jones, who's been the subject of trade rumors so well, much of the spring, said, I'm out of here this week on a Fox broadcast. I think it was Undisputed with Shannon Sharp. Uh, he says, I'm out of here. And you know what? We'd like to know exactly what that means. So we've contacted the man who knows our good friend and Hall of Fame voter, D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, 
backed by popular demand, and this time not taking our phone call by the side of the highway. That was that was unreal. That was great. Anyway, we got D-Led on here to get to the bottom of this. So D-Led, Julio Jones says, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Is he? Will he be? What can you tell us about it? Yeah, we've been able to, you know, uh, kind of pull back some of the layers on this thing that uh, something happened in the transition from Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris to to Arthur Sniff and Terry Fontenot to lead him to decide that, hey, I want to be traded. He went and asked for a trade uh, in March. They're hired in January. They had time to share their vision with him on how they plan to succeed or either didn't do it or were not successful in convincing him that, hey, you know, moving forward, we're going to be a winning franchise. So now he says um, he asked for the trade. He's out of here. They haven't been able to get much for him, a 32-year-old receiver coming off an injury-plagued year. And now here we sit um, with the post-June 1 uh, designation possibility where they might have to just take a second or third-round pick for Julio Jones uh, to move forward. You don't want a disgruntled receiver, uh, you know, on your team as you're trying to rebuild the um, organization and so forth. So – we're at a, a point here where, you know, they got to decide, hey, uh, what can we get for Julio? Is it worth it? Can we solve the issues that we have with Julio? Uh, and it doesn't sound like they're in a, a posture to uh, reconcile. Well, d as you mentioned, he is a 32-year-old wide receiver. He's made it clear he's out of there for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've mentioned that they really can't get what they want. If you were – the general manager of that team, what would you want for a 32-year-old wide receiver when people know he doesn't want to be there and they also know you've got cap issues? Yeah, um, you know, I would want a first, but, you know, the, the realistic uh, situation is that you might not get a first. I would uh, try to, um, you know, tell Julio, okay, come to camp. You know, somebody gets hurt, um, you know, then your trade value goes back up you know, kind of make a deal where like, hey, we need you to stay in, in-house in here, uh, you know, but if something comes up better, uh, you know, we'll trade you. Otherwise, you know, we're going to keep your rights. I would keep his rights until his market value goes up, somebody gets hurt, somebody loses a big-time receiver. And by that point, he's healthy now. He, he showed he's uh, he can go and do whatever he can do. And then, uh, you know, your market value goes back up. So, uh, that's how I would play this, and and I don't know if it's that far. The relationships are that far frayed that you can't do that. Uh, even if they are, if he holds out and doesn't come back, you know, then you can force him to play and all that kind of stuff with the holdout rules and the player contact contract rules and so forth. With um, <clears throat> excuse me, with the absence of the no move clause, how much leverage does he really have in general? And then. Uh, in turn, like to dictate where he can go, because he said, you know, or reports have said that he wants to go play for a contender or a championship team. And then there's other reports saying specifically teams like the Titans and the Patriots are his preferred destinations. Um, without the no movement clause, how much leverage does he actually have, if any, in this situation? Um, he has goodwill. Uh, you know, he's been a, a good soldier. And, you know, you want to do right by your guys that have, you know, gone to battle for you and, and fought on the football field for you. 
So he has goodwill. Legally, he doesn't have much leverage. Uh, uh, contract, salary cap-wise, he doesn't. How many teams have $15.3 million to take on a salary? I think it's just 10. Uh, and if you count out of that group of 10 teams that can win, uh, you know, the Browns are in that group, along with the uh, Patriots, if you, if you figure they're going to bounce back this year. Um, and, you know, then you got teams like Jaguars, Jaguars, Chargers, and so forth. So he doesn't have much leverage at all. I was told he had a writer first refusal on it in his contract, but uh, I went through the 19 pages of the contract. I didn't see that. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know if he's got any leverage at all. Now, was the was the drafting of Kyle Pitts in any relation uh, to this situation? Had the Falcons kind of anticipated this going into the offseason? Um, if Julio Jones was happy, would it have changed where they went with that fourth overall pick? Or is this just a a situation where they saw a great talent at in, in Pitts and they were going to select him regardless? No, I think in retrospect, they were connected. They did get Matt Ryan. They they decided that we're going to roll with Matt Ryan. We're going to get ready to lose one of his weapons. Let's mm-hmm. get him. Let's get a replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, six foot four, two hundred forty five pound replacement uh, who can with the wingspan to you know catch some of the routes and, and catch some of the balls and run some of the routes that Julio used to run. Now this team can't block. They can't block for Matt Ryan. They've given up one hundred thirty one sacks over the last three years. The football move was to take the tackle from Oregon. But because they're losing a weapon, they replaced the weapon instead of trying to fix their offensive line, which is the the weakest unit possibly on the first or second weakest unit on the team, right? Neck and neck with the defensive line. (laughs) (laughs) We're speaking with Hall of Fame voter D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And uh, D. Led. I understand that the owner, and I'm talking about Arthur Blank, is reportedly upset that Julio went public with this. Um, A, does it matter? And and B, if he's upset, could it affect his chances of being traded? In other words, could Arthur Blank say, under no way, shape, or form, is this going to happen? Or is it Terry Fontenot's job to make this decision? Yeah, well, the owner doesn't like to be uh, shown up. You know, he he... He did Julio a major solid in 19 going into his contract with three years left and, uh, you know, giving him a $25 million bonus, uh, saying he's a Falcon for life, guaranteeing 66 of the 87, uh, you know, of the contract. And now he felt, you know, betrayed a little bit that Julio would, uh, you know, asked to be traded after with three years remaining on the deal that they put together to call him a Falcon for life. Whatever happened, you know, the owner needs to fix it uh, or the general manager might not, general manager might not be capable of fixing it and might have to, but then what does that say to your new general manager if the uh, owner is coming in to fix things, uh, um, you know, four months into the job? Right. If the, the GM and the coach say, hey, we don't want Julio, we're trading him. And the owner's like, no, I want him. You know, uh, who's really running the team? Do we have a Jerry Jones situation here? Uh, you know, the owner says he hands it over to his football people and let them make football decisions. Well, it looks like their football decision is to dump the best player in, in Falcon history for a couple of draft picks. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, how do you move forward that way? And, uh, 
it's uh, perplexing. Uh, it's complex. And, it, you know, Julio uh, at some point has to come forward and explain himself other than making these cryptic comments on, you know, what uh, on sports talk, whether he's live or not, and right. showing up in the airport with a Dallas Cowboys shirt on to take uh, pictures with fans and so forth. So, uh, it's uh, it's 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 cryptic, but it's a great offseason drama for a four and twelve team trying to make themselves relevant again. Gives you something to write about in late May, early June, that's for sure. Um, D-Led, let's just say for argument's sake, they don't trade him. Let's say they find that they don't get what they want, or they're not willing to do it. That they want to try to keep him. Can you see him staying there? Let's just say they restructured his contract or try to restructure his contract. Could you see him staying there after all that's been said and done up to this point? Um, I could because he's such a different guy. Um, he can, he'll come back and they, like he did after the holdout. We're like, well, you were upset. You took your social media down. Well, he's like, well, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't, I never said that. You know, he's always, um, <laughs> obtuse and uh you know not direct with you know simple little things like hey were you upset why did you you know you know what you know he would never go on the record on that he was upset that the wide receivers average salaries went past his so you know at that point jimmy sexton's got to put a clause in his contract that hey you're going to remain the top five that's not our problem that's a that's a your representation problem so um um, if he can't, if, if they can't iron it out, I could see, I don't believe he's boxed himself into a corner to where he can't come back. You mentioned there was a, a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, during the transition from the Dan Quinn era into to what we have now. Uh, does any of this frustration go all the way back to that Super Bowl loss? And I'm, I'm, I'm staring at the article right over your left shoulder there. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right there, right, right, right in front of us. Um, is there any frustration stemming from that loss still with Julio Jones? And perhaps you know, at at age thirty two, you know, it's it's not old, but in NFL terms, it, it it sort of is. Is he looking at winning as the top priority, or is this just a a money move? Yeah, it's a um, you know, on the record, it's a it's a uh, win at all cost thing yet. He had the Super Bowl one, but for Kyle Shanahan calling uh, pass plays from field goal range. So, um, uh, yeah, they come back the next year, and he's on the one-yard line. He slips, and, uh, you know, he can't come down with a, you know, just a, a, you know, Matt Ryan just put it up there for him to go get it, and uh, they lose that game. Eagles going to win the Super Bowl. They're favorite. They lose the they lose the Nick Foles. They drop an interception right before half. Can't make the play. They were the better team, and and so their Super Bowl window closed after that. Um, and uh, he was well thought of by the two previous administrations as a leader of the team and so forth. And uh, you know the new regime comes in and they they're setting a whole new different agenda that you know is either you on board or you're not. It looks like he's not on board. So, um, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would trace some of that back to, to um, you know, coming that close to winning the Super Bowl to, to, to now where you're last place. You're last, you're four and 12, you're in last place. Carolina has passed you. The Saints have regressed a little bit and Tampa Bay has shot past you. 
So um, that's the reality of the situation. That's what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have to rebuild, and they plan to do it with the 36-year-old quarterback initially. D-Led, mm-hmm. how do you think this story ends? I mean, how's it going to end? Do you, do you see him with another team this year? Do you see him sitting out the year? You don't think he's coming back. Well, if he doesn't come back, would he be willing to sit out the year? Would they be willing to say, you know what, let him sit. Eventually he's going to come back. Or do you see him with another team? Well, yeah, my mentor, um, you know, Lynn Pascarelli, uh, shares with me some of the great history stories of the Falcons. And so I got them all in my brain. And uh, one of his things, and, and, you know, he'll email me from time to time, the Falcons are going to Falcons. And this got a real, this has got a, a Falcons got a Falcons feel to it for me. They're going to trade the best player in franchise history, arguably, certainly the best wide receiver, and get like a second and a third round pick. It's going to be some running back from Southern Mississippi or something who's going to play two years and be a kickoff returner. And, you know, the, the history of the Falcons are littered with moves like that. Um, you know, I've been riding high as a beat rider, uh, you know, from 08 to uh, from uh, oh, I took over when Steve Weiss left uh, and we coached Smith's first year and went to the playoffs four years in a row, four yeah. out of first six years. Yeah. So I'm the winningest Falcon beat rider. Only me and Matt Winklejohn have covered the Super Bowl teams, uh, 98 and 2016. But uh, these last three years, it felt like um, like, uh, you know, I have to channel in sometimes because, you know, it's just been amazing some of the, the 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 things that have started to happen around here. Well, I'm gratified to hear you channel in our old friend, Len Pascarelli, former Hall of Fame voter. And I will tell you this, when Ian referenced earlier that headline over your shoulder, we're doing a Zoom call right now. Okay, we're doing a Zoom call so we can see D-Led and what's over his left shoulder. And there's a Atlanta JC headline that says heartbreak and I thought that might be the appropriate headline when they deal Julio Jones so my question is how is the city or the area of Atlanta dealing with this and how would they take a Julio Jones trade or exit full meltdown full meltdown um Clark he was at the Hawks uh one of the, the playoffs hadn't started yet but and they put him on the screen and folks didn't know whether to cheer or, you know, they were polite. They showed their Southern manners that day and politely clapped for him. But uh, since the the uh, Undisputed show, it's been a full-out meltdown. Like, how can y'all mess this up? How What did y'all do to make Julio Jones want to be traded? Um, and we're, we're trying to win. And we got, you know, at least we got some weapons here. We don't know if they can block. And we don't know about the defense, but <laughs> he, he's been all in uh, for the team, uh, you know, for years. So what happened? Everybody's not – they're trying to say, well, it's a salary cap issue. But, you know, I had it explained to me that, you know, they can automatically convert his salary to a signing bonus, him and Grady Jarrett, and create right. space. So right. they've got a lot of ways to do that and play with the salary cap numbers. So it, it's, it's something other than the salary cap numbers. Uh, and you know, something happened between the hiring of Fontenot and um Arthur Smith in January to March, where he comes in and asks for a trade. So, during that period, whatever happened there, um, you know, hopefully we'll find out what it was. And uh, uh, you know, he clearly didn't like their vision for the team and doesn't think he can win here and he wants out. 
I'll, I'll add a little wrinkle to that. <clears throat> what is the reaction if the compensation is less or on par for what they got from Mohamed Sanu? It's gonna be a it's 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 it'll be a bad start to the Terry Fontenot era. It would just be it would be um, somebody has to do somebody in Atlanta's building a favor. I mean, like somebody that's got a second round pick sitting around that they're friends with, you know, and give them at least that, um, you know, or or late one. But you know, New England and Atlanta, those ties are over. Dimitrov's gone. Vilichek doesn't want to do. He doesn't owe Rich McKay anything. Mickey Loomis is not going to in division. Uh, send something up to Atlanta, uh, you know. So, so I don't know where his um, allies are around the league that could bail him out of this tight spot. He led. You just broke Ian Glendon's heart. He's a diehard Patriots fan, and he had his fingers crossed that Julio Jones was going there for a second round draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Michael Holly said that he wants to play with Cam. I've been texting Cam's uh, dad, Mister Cecil Newton. Uh, to see if that's in, in fact true, but uh, they, yeah, it's it's. And then I heard, uh, you know, I can't even, I didn't even report it because it's so bizarre. Is that he wants to play for the Saints? And so I'm like, that's not happening, you know. So he hasn't thought this out very well because if he's got, <laughs> if he wants to, he wants to get traded to a team that doesn't have salary cap room or a team in a division. Uh, you know, if I'm him, I'm like, I'm looking at Green Bay. But you know they don't have money. They don't have any money for him. I'm. Not, I don't want to go to Jacksonville or Chargers or something like that. The Browns would be. Uh, you know they got OBJ, but uh, they they look like they're ready to take off. Uh, went toe to toe with Kansas City last year, so we'll see. Um, we'll see how this unfolds. It's just real bizarre, and like I said, you just kind of keep your head on the swivel because they. It. I think we're like the. Um, you know, act one of, of this play. <laughs> Got an intermission coming and act two and three is going to go on for a little while. D. Orlando Ledbetter, thanks so much for checking in. And you know what? Keep your head on the swivel because if this is act one, we're going to check in with you with act two and act three until this thing's over. Thanks so much, D. Led. You're welcome, Clark and Ian. Thanks for having me on the show. You got it, as always. That was Hall of Fame voter D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And you know, the interesting thing to me is with every story that comes out of the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Bucks just look better and better. <laughs> I mean, the, the competition just keeps receding. I mean, <clears throat> Drew Bates is gone. Winston's there. Julio Jones, yeah, on his way out. Carolina, I don't know what they're doing. Now they've got a new quarterback, Sam Darnold. Who knows? And Tampa Bay just re-signed everybody. Everybody. Let, let the Brady uh, schedule uh, conspiracies <laughs> flow because you know they I, I believe they have going into the season now again this this whole uh, strength of schedule before the games are played are kind of nonsense to begin with but their strength of schedule based on last year's schedule is one of the lowest in the league and you're like wait a minute the Super Bowl champions playing one of the easiest schedules well you know sometimes you know the, the waters just part the right yeah. way so exactly uh, one other thing I want to mention to you because I saw you respond to this on Twitter I have no idea who posted those top three quarterbacks. And I don't know where he was from, but I saw your response. Top five quarterback, but he put his top three in. <laughs> number one, Mahomes. Number two, Josh Allen. Number three, Aaron Rodgers. Now, first of all, there's no Tom Brady here. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, Josh Allen, head of Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> well, I mean, 
You want to pontificate on that, Ian? I, I, I would. Uh, that was former Seahawks running back uh, Michael Robinson, by the way. Um, it was. Yeah, so his... Um, <laughs> yeah, the list is interesting, and I don't know if it was based on projecting top five at the end of the year, uh, which is, I mean, it's still kind of silly to begin with not to have Tom Brady even anywhere on that list. Uh, but if it's a if it's a list about quarterbacks where they are right now, then I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm at a loss for words because I, 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 there's just, I mean, look, I mean, I sit here and I say today that Tom Brady's still the best quarterback in the league. And there's, there's nothing in my opinion that's happened since he took that title in 2014, 15, that's changed. He's only gone to seven Super Bowls, one five, you know, the, the list goes on and on. So he should be at the top of that list. Um, <laughs> everything else after that. I mean, look, I would have Brady Rogers, Mahomes, and the rest kind of fill out the bottom, you know, not the bottom, but the, you know, the rest of the list, you know, we can debate, but I think those are the three best in the league right now. Um, and, and Brady in my mind is, is very firmly at the top. No question to me. There's no question at all. It's like Herm Edwards said, right? Play the game to win. Mm -hmm. Play to win the game. So uh, it's not the most talented quarterbacks. There are a lot of quarterbacks out there are talented. Patrick Mahomes is a talented guy. You want quarterbacks that you can win Mm -hmm. with. And and to me, what you look for are the guys who have not just the talent, but the leadership abilities. And and in all honesty, I mean, listen, if Tom Brady were Patrick Mahomes, they'd be saying – what do you do in those two Super Bowls? Well, in seven of those eight quarters, he didn't do anything, right? He didn't do anything. Exactly. So all I know about Tom Brady is he just wins. He wins. And people want to say, well, he had this. He had that. He goes down to Tampa, Tampa, where they hadn't been to the playoffs since 2007. He not only wins, but the Super Bowl. The losingest franchise in NFL history. Yeah. He just happened to go down and win a Super Bowl his first year. So <laughs> it's yeah, – it's, it's pretty remarkable the the links people will go to, you know, not maybe not just just deny it or, or resist giving him the credit. Um, yeah. You know, I've been I've been kind of pumping him up since that 2019 season where I felt that he wasn't losing. Like I watched the film. I used the eye yep. test, as they say. There you go. Yeah. yeah see, already first episode in and I, I'm, I'm plugging the show. Um, but watching him, there was nothing I saw physically that that had fallen off despite people suggesting, well, his numbers are, have dropped off, so he must be declining because of age. Well, my response would be, well, what what about him physically have you seen drop off? Or like, oh, he's only thrown 24 touchdowns. I'm like, That's not the question. I'm asking you, what have you seen out of his, you know, physical uh, tools that have diminished? And the, the response was always the same, nothing. Because you look at his arm strength, you look at his ability to move in the pocket, and nothing had changed. It was just unfortunately, as as we've seen the Patriots last year, a complete uh, talent void on the offense. And yep, Brady, right. in hindsight, it was remarkable that he went twenty four and eight and took that team to a twelve and four record into the playoffs when it was looked at as a declining season. Although, again, statistically, he was better than Aaron Rodgers last year. So, or that, yeah. that year, not last year, but that year. So, um, well, the two things jump out at me and they're both from previous broadcasts here on the mm-hmm. eye test for two. And thanks for referencing that, Ian. Um, I think, uh, Ira somewhere going, is, is my job still there? <laughs> Am I, do I need to come back here? He's calling in. Um, 
But one is what Jason Light said last week. You know, Tom Brady, unassuming guy. He doesn't care whether he throws for 150 yards as long as he wins. And that was always Mm -hmm. the mantra up here in New England. You lived in New England. I live in New England. That was always the case. And people would say, well, he threw one touchdown pass. You don't get it. All he cares about is winning. You know, and and I'm a Yankees fan. That was the thing with Jeter. Didn't care whether he went 0-5 as long as – 0-5 as long as they were uh, winning. And, and that was the difference people said well, between him and well, I, in, 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 in that situation, you look at, you go back to Super Bowl 53, and, you know, the criticism stems from, well, Gronk caught the ball at the one and not the goal line. So if yeah. Gronk catches the ball at the goal line, so he has a touchdown. But yeah. if you go back and watch the film, had Brady thrown in any farther to put him into the end zone, that ball gets picked off by the safety. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that that's ball right. was dropped into tri- essentially triple coverage that was converging on Gronk. And... Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter that, you know, it didn't go into the end zone. It went into the end zone the next play because they were on yeah. the one-yard line. So, well, and, but in that, in, in, in a lot of people's eyes, they look at, oh, well, Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown. He got carried by the defense. Like, well, what happened in the two games previous where they scored 78 points collectively against the Chiefs and uh, in, in, um, they, they played in the divisional round, the Chargers, um, to get to that point? And, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, Brady didn't throw a touchdown. Well, touchdowns. Yeah don't mean everything i mean they're not all created equal if it doesn't fit the narrative we're not interested basically what they're saying and the second thing which i was going to mention was uh going back to what uh ron jaworski jaws said to us when he was on here he said i stood on the field and watched him he can make every throw Mm -hmm. i mean these throws he's making the sidelines he's zipping the ball he's throwing like a 25 year old kid well he said he looks great and people talk about his physical tools being diminished have no idea what they're talking about well the the, the common <clears throat> argument against brady is oh you know mahomes can make all the throws well the problem is people confuse running around prior to actually delivering the throw as part of making the throw if, right. if mahomes runs around for 25 yards and throws a 10 yard out well brady can do that from the pocket so what's the difference you don't get extra points for running around you don't you know gain extra you know coins or whatever in, in terms of video games but you know, it, Brady can still make that throw. He can throw that out. He can throw that deep post. He can throw that fade into the back corner of the end zone. And clearly the accuracy was always still there. And, um, you know, that's the problem. You know, people, you know, we see, we've seen it over the last three or four months because every every week there's a, a celebration of the incomplete, the immaculate incompletion um, from the Super Bowl, from Patrick Mahomes. Wow, what a throw. Well, no, it wasn't a throw. It was a it was a heave into quadruple coverage that just happened to go through the defender's hands. And, you know, but people are enamored by it. And we've yeah. gotten to the point now where, you know, Brady and Mahomes essentially played the same game if had it not been for some unluckiness on Mahomes' part. And it's just like, all right, let's 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 calm down. So well, it's because we're in love with analytics and style points. Yeah. And so when they saw that picture on Twitter, for instance, people went gaga over it. Look at this. And I saw what you responded. And I looked at it too and said, that pass was incomplete. Yeah. So who cares whether he was doing somersaults? I, I don't care. Pass was incomplete. And it and it goes back to when I said analytics. I watch Yankee broadcasts on the mm-hmm. S network. And so Michael Kay was talking one year and a couple of years ago about what, well, you know, the top three uh, exit velos, two of them are by Gary Sanchez. One's 117.3 and those 117.1. And God, oh my, isn't that great? And Paul O'Neill, who is just ideal as a foil for him because he just cuts right to the heart of it. He goes, yeah, but both of those balls were caught. Yeah. So who cares? They were outs. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, what's what's the exit veal on a swinging bunt? You get on base. Yeah. You know? 
So anyway, you do something that Gary Sanchez couldn't. Don't get me started on the Yankees. Anyway, I, Ian, that's going to do it. It's going to do it for today. Ian, thanks so much for joining us. Please tell people where they can join you and follow you on Twitter. Of course, it is at IGLEN31, and I do not take days off to go to the beach. <laughs> to hear that, Ira. For me, is at Clark Judge, T-O-F. And if you're looking for Ira, as Ian said, you can find him at the beach or by the pool at Daytona. I, I hear those waves that make the look for Ira there. Hope he's wearing a shirt. Anyway, if you're looking for him on Twitter, it's Ira Kaufman, at ikaufman76. If we don't hear from you there, guaranteed you're going to hear from us here. Where, Ian? On the eye test for two. You got it. Thanks so much, Ian. See you next week.